You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call Seabus Seatown, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice cold Pepsi right here in Seabus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi and say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. I'm Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. We're bringing you the most complete and hilarious Yanks chat you'll find anywhere. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast, courtesy of Fansite. Welcome to another episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm your host, Adam Weinrib, along with Thomas Carinante. Folks, we've been seeing the reviews dropping five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can find us there. You can find us on Spotify. We love it. Please keep dropping uh, memories, questions for the mailbag, anything. We will address those this week and into next week and into our next several episodes. We're going to have great guests coming up for you next week uh, and a lot of fun new segments, so please stay tuned. Uh, Today we are going to debut, though, Thomas, a segment based off of Tuesday night's Yankees-Braves game, a 9-6 Yankee win that looks a lot different if you watched it uh, rather than only followed the box score or the mobile app. Uh, so Thomas, I watched last night's game. You did not. This is a segment we're going to call wasn't watching. Yeah, it's going to be a great one, especially because, well, at least during the 162 game slate, I do my fair share of not watching just because I can't be put through the agony of 162 full games. Now we're in a 60 game season. You know, uh, I could have watched last night's game. I was having some dinner. I was enjoying myself. I bet on the Yanks. I was like, you know what? I'm going to box score this one. We'll see what happens. But uh, two completely different perspectives, and I think this is going to be a cool thing moving forward. Well, I usually am the one who ducks away from watching these games. It has nothing to do with the intensity of my fandom. Uh, I can promise you that, considering <laughs> when I don't watch, I'm walking around my room sweating, and I'm, you know, I'm refreshing the mobile app at weddings and shit like that. But, yeah, often I will be the one to duck away and sort of say, I can't watch the end of this. 
you know, I'm going to another room. I'm checking my phone in 10 minutes. If the bases are still loaded, I'm, I'm done. Or if they've been unloaded in the fashion I don't want them to be, I'm done. But I watched last night's game in its entirety. Uh, Thomas did not. And that's an entirely different perspective to have. Uh, if you didn't watch the game, 9-6 win over the Braves. One of the top offenses in baseball. Check Jordan Montgomery's line, six innings, three earned runs. Pretty good. Uh, you know, not despicable that the bullpen ended up giving up three runs in three innings. Uh, you know, worse things have happened. Uh, I guess theoretically that's what happens when you have an 8 nothing lead. You can feel comfortable enough that you can use bullpen pieces that you wouldn't normally use. But to those of us who watched it, it was absolute torture brought about by Aaron Boone. Some incredibly curious decision-making, unlike anything he did in 2019 when it felt like he had taken, you know, light-year steps forward. Uh, and it was all clouded by the removal of Aaron Judge in the sixth inning before a plate appearance, not a defensive half inning. So, Thomas, I guess that's where I want to start. Um, the Yanks are up, you know, at this point they're up 8-3. Uh, and Aaron Judge gets pinch hit for by Mike Talkman. Did you notice this when you were checking your phone? Is this something you just saw after the game? Did this even enter your consciousness? No, I did see it almost in real time too. Uh, and I was like, what? I was like, don't even, please don't tell me he's injured. So I went to Twitter. I checked. Didn't seem like anything was fishy. It still seemed weird though. Um, I guess my first reaction after I realized it wasn't an injury because nothing was said on that front, I said, you know what? We're up by five. Give the guy a few innings rest if this is really what you want to do. Um, I, I don't really get entirely doing that. Just rest him for the full game if you want to do that. Then again, I thought back and I was like, Acuna was ruled out right before with an injury. You know, just go full squad right here with the boys. Take it to the Braves. No need to rest Judge in the beginning. Maybe rest him tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, I, I got scared for a second seeing it from the box. Well, what was it like actually watching? I mean, it, it made – there's no, almost no reason to do that if there's not an injury, right? So the, the people jumping in the logical conclusion that Judge got hurt, I wouldn't say they were jumping – you know, they weren't making a major leap. You don't often pinch hit for your best player and probably the AL MVP front runner in the sixth inning of a five-run game. Now, it seems in retrospect that Boone had this plan in his head all along, knowing that Judge had played four games at Tropicana Field over the weekend. Um, and then got the day off on Monday into the Tuesday game. Odds are he probably pregame considered removing Judge if the team was up by a certain amount of runs, saw them go up 8 nothing in the sixth, decided he was going to do it then. Montgomery allows the three runs, and he doesn't let that cloud his picture, and, and he makes the change anyway. And Mike talked. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. I mean, you could do far worse with your sub for Judge than Mike Talker. He's, you know, a starter, probably should be starting most, if not all, of these games. Brett Gardner's leash uh, shorter than it's ever been, really. So arguing, you know, Mike Talkman should be in the game anyway. Not a huge – it's a huge downgrade only because it's Aaron Judge. But the fact that it was done in a pinch-hitting appearance and not as a defensive substitution in the next half inning, 
when you could have Judge hit for himself one last time, then get removed for, you know, the seventh, eighth, and ninth, that sort of seems like the more prudent move, and that sort of seems like what you'd do if he weren't hurt. So the fact that he's not only giving Judge a rest, but also taking away an at-bat from him that he probably should have had uh, in a game that's tightening, it made borderline no sense, and I think the panic was justified. You can you can claim all you want that there's going to be these overtraining injuries and the start, stop, start, stop is going to hurt some of these guys. And you don't want Judge playing all 60 games. You know, I want to see that, but you, you can't realistically have Judge play all 60 games after he missed the majority of the year rehabbing this pec injury and this rotating shoulder thing uh, and the fractured rib, punctured lung combination, whatever that was. I guess the, the difference is the overtraining, you know, has, is there any way for Judge to be overtraining? He never really – there was no start-stop with Judge. He wasn't active in the spring, and he was active only in a rehab sense this summer until he was activated for baseball activities. So if there's anyone I'm not worried about having this unconventional spring training on-off switch, it's, it's Judge. Stanton, you know, made more sense. He's one of the most – he's got the most fragile legs in the game. He was hurt in spring training. He, he got hurt again after, you know, one sprint in Tropicana Field. That's not shocking. But I guess we'll see what happens on Wednesday night. Uh, at the time, it made perfect sense that Judge was nursing something. Uh, but then you watch the broadcast, and he's sitting in the dugout smiling, laughing, gesturing at his teammates. He's doing all the things that a player would do if he'd been pulled out of a 12 nothing blowout. But the problem is, this wasn't a 12 nothing blowout. It was an 8-3 game, and it had only been an 8 nothing game for a couple of minutes. Uh, Jordan Montgomery laid one change-up flat to Marcelo Zuna and went from an eight-run lead to a five-run lead. And if you don't think the Atlanta Braves can come back from a five-run lead, then you didn't just watch what they did to the Mets two weeks ago in Atlanta. And you didn't just watch them come back from 13-1 down to 13-8 in the ninth inning alone in Philly on Monday night. If there's any team that does this, that knows how to take advantage of the underbelly of a bullpen, it's the Braves. Uh, so Thomas at, at eight, nothing, did you feel safe enough to take the foot off the gas pedal as someone who wasn't gripping your seat in frustration watching this? Yeah. And it's solely because I know we have the offensive firepower and we have the bullpen. You're talking, when we're talking about the Mets and Phillies, like the Phillies probably have the worst bullpen in the league and the Mets, it doesn't matter how many runs they're spotting the bullpen or any other pitcher for that matter. It's, it's just completely out of the question. They're, they're going to find a way to blow it. So I, th I just think the optics here were just kind of bad. Uh, you know, you take him out in the sixth and you want him to have time off, just give him the day off. Or if you really want to give him more time off, it's 6 nothing in the third, take him out if you think that, you know, you're going to cruise the rest of the way. Odds are the Braves are not going to come back from a 6-0 deficit. But that's the time to do it if you don't want to give him the full day off, which I think is the move. I'm not telling Aaron Boone how to manage. I'm just, you know, we're in New York. You make a move like this, people are going to talk about it. And people are going to be concerned right at the onset of you doing it. So just either give the guy the day off or take him out when it gets out of hand right in the beginning when you're either up a ton or down a ton. But don't leave things open for speculation or open for discussion. If you give him a random day off here, you could be like, okay, he played all four games in Tampa. They got the day off. But, you know, he could use another one here. And then it's because we know it's a full sprint after this. We have it's Braves tonight. Um and then off off Thursday, four games seven with the Red Sox, and then full throttle until I think the twenty fourth. So 
that's my take on it. That's how I feel. Uh, but I can understand watching it being a lot more frustrating than uh, just me refreshing my phone, looking at an A3 lead. Well, see, that's the thing. You, you're right that the Braves shouldn't come back from a 6 nothing deficit in the third. And you're right that the Braves shouldn't come back from an 8 nothing and 8-3 deficit in the sixth and seventh. But then again, you know, here's where the I had to torture myself by watching this game kicks in. Because you're right. That shouldn't happen. Even even the most skilled offenses in baseball, even the best comeback teams should be foiled when they face a deficit that massive. And no blame. I'm not laying any blame at Jordan Montgomery's feet. People debate about whether you can say the line was indicative of the start or not. I mean, if you give up a three-run home run on a bad changeup in your last inning – then that was a part of your start. I and mean, it's not really fair to say, well, without the one bad pitch, he would have thrown six shutout. I mean, yeah, without any of the hits he gave up, he would have thrown a no-hitter too. So I would say that he worked out of a lot of trouble early. It was probably perfectly valid to say six innings, three runs. That was a quality start from Jordan Montgomery. That being said, you've got a Braves team that just feasted on the underbelly of the Phillies bullpen and ate the Mets alive. The Yankees have a bullpen advantage, but they actually don't if you use David Hale in this 8-3 game to start off the seventh, and they actually don't if you get an insurance run in the bottom of the seventh and go right to Luis Sessa in the top of the eighth. That's how it gets to be 9-6 in the blink of an eye, and that's how Adam Adovino and Chad Green both have to come in mid-inning and test Gary Sanchez with their breakers and fastballs and crazy sinking sliders that Adovino has because there are men on base when they arrive in a game that you never wanted them in in the first place, but eventually probably had to face facts. And especially after Boone tried to use David Hale to steal outs in the seventh and it didn't work and he had to go to Adovino. I do not see how Chad Green is not in that game in the eighth inning. Not only was Chad Green not in that game to start the eighth inning, Thomas, this is what you missed on the broadcast and, and why my eyeballs were on the floor. Not only did Green not start the inning, uh, Luis Avalon was warming up as the bases were being loaded in the seventh with Adovino on the mound. Luis Avalon, Luis Avalon was going to be the fireman for Adovino, who brought the tying run to the plate in Marcel Azuna. That's one of the best players on the Atlanta Braves. That's not who you want to see who's a grand slam away from tying an 8-4 game. And he's a righty. And he's a righty. Why? Oh, and he my just, God. He just took a lefty on righty. He obliterated uh, the lefty change high in the zone from Jordan Montgomery uh, on a silver platter into the left field bleachers. Uh, I don't know who Avalon was supposed to come in for, but I know that even seeing his face and general body motions in an 8-4 game with the bases loaded sent me into absolute hysterics. Yeah, that would do that would do the same for me. Uh, I think call me crazy here, but I think in this game, I don't even waste I don't even waste one of the relievers. I think he's been doing this with all the other games where we're either super out or super in. We've seen it twice. Bring in Loisega or King here and just let him finish out two, three innings. Why not why not do that? I have no idea. And like, why yeah, Zach Britton's your closer, right? You don't really want to use Zach Britton in a game you led eight nothing. And I get that. But at a certain point, you do have to think the only time Zach Britton has looked bad this season, and we're, we're talking, you know, bad versus untouchable. He looked pristine in every game except for Sunday against the Rays. And that came after days and days of rest that took him out of his routine. He didn't pitch in the doubleheader in Tampa. 
You know, he didn't pitch in the in the first game. Uh, he he had taken days off. Uh, the Philly series, he wasn't really needed. You know, he closed out the first game of the Philly series. So it, it was like the only time I've seen Britain be ineffective was when he was benched for a long period of time. I didn't really want Zach Britton in a 9-6 game last night, but I didn't really want a 9-6 game in the first place. And honestly, if it had been 9-4 in the ninth, I wouldn't have hated Britain getting work. I would have at least liked to see Britain warming up in the pen if Sessa had managed to get out of the eighth inning unscathed. I'm laying a lot of Boone's feet. I hate blowing huge leads. Everyone does. No one's like, a thing I love is blowing huge leads. But it feels inevitable when you see the momentum already turning and then guys like Hale and Sessa being handed the ball and the torch and being asked to sort of do the job of someone who is much better. You know, it's not Luis Sessa's job. And also, you know, he's got an insurance run. Technically, he should be able to protect a five-run lead. But the Braves are, are basically drooling at this point, ready for anyone who's not an elite reliever. And Luis Sessa, after several weeks on the shelf battling the coronavirus, is not an elite reliever. That brings me to the final point, which could only be accurately communicated by watching this game. And I will go off. Thomas, what did it feel like? What did you perceive from Glaber Torres's performance using your box score only? I didn't see anything aside from he was having another not great night at the plate. I know he, uh, he managed to uh, get on base with a couple of walks, but... Um, Progressive presents today's to-do list for your dog. Check front door. Check window. Check other window. Rest chin on ground. Look into distance. Bark for no reason. Check front door. Check window. Check other window. Your pet has a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Chase shiny ball. Loose shiny ball. Find shiny ball. Eat shiny ball. Get coverage for your pets with any auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. I saw that he popped out, I think, and, and grounded out or something. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Popped out and struck out. Uh, and that's all I saw. I didn't see anything relative to defense at all. Uh, and I know you were complaining about that big time. So uh, I need to know what this, what this felt like watching in real time. For two weeks now, I feel like I've been asking... Aaron Boone to during his like days off decision-making give Glaber one of them, you know, he started the B lineup against the Phillies in game one of the doubleheader when it kind of seemed like Torres was nursing an elbow bruise from that hit by pitch in Baltimore. And I made the case to, you know, say, if you're going to start a B lineup anyway, Torres should not only be one of the guys who gets the day off, he should maybe be first in line to get the day off. Uh, Boone sort of insisted on playing through it. And I don't understand that at all. But now my narrative is sort of morphing mentally. I used to think it was an injury and he was clearly hurt and taking these like weaker than usual swings at the plate. Now I kind of think he's distracted by having to play shortstop. And it's not just the errors. The error counts high. Last night's error in the eighth inning, which was the first batter of the eighth inning and set up the two-run inning, was a, you know, it was an error. He, he muffed it. He, he got a bounce, dropped it, couldn't pick the ball up, couldn't throw to first. Classic shortstop error. But the concentration just is not there. And he hasn't been a full-time shortstop with the New York Yankees yet. This isn't, a, this isn't pressure that we've seen laid at his feet in a permanent manner. There's a difference between playing shortstop for the Yankees and being the shortstop of the New York Yankees. They just had a dynasty led by Derek Jeter for 20 years. 
you know, it's the most prominent position in major league baseball. And Didi Gregorius comes in and everyone goes, there's no way he can handle it. You know, this rookie from Arizona, former top prospect, no bat, all glove. You know, this doesn't make a lot of sense. And we see him, you know, embrace it with a plum. You couldn't imagine filling Jeter's shoes with a better option than Didi Gregorius. Now you decide to let Didi walk because Glaber's a natural shortstop. He came up as a shortstop. It does make a lot of questions a lot easier if you just remove a recovering Gregorius from the equation. He costs money now. Glaber doesn't. He had a bad 2019 season coming back from Tommy John. Glaber was your best hitter, arguably, and most consistent player all year. So it answers a lot of questions to say, you're the shortstop, Gio, you're a third. DJ LeMahieu, you're not moving around anymore. You play second base and Voight forward, you're first, right? It's easy on paper. But so far, Glaber Torres, the shortstop, is not Glaber Torres, the second baseman. And it's not just defensive uneasiness. It's defensive know-how, it's comfort, and comfort at the plate, too. Everything kind of seems to emanate from what he's feeling trying to fill these giant shoes. And it's these little things that you can never perceive before you see it in action. He blew a double play ball early in yesterday's game. Uh, By failing to cover second or not knowing who was going to cover second, you can blame him, you can blame LeMahieu. But the bottom line is Gio Urshela flipped a ball to no man's land because no one was covering the base. LeMahieu caught it and saved it from rolling around. Uh, Both men converged on a ground ball for the fourth run of the game. Glaber and DJ sort of tripped on each other, backed off. Nobody picked it up. It was a double play ball to get out of the seventh inning without a run scored. Suddenly it's first and second, one out, 8-4. Brutal. Inning over to 8-4, you know, tying run eventually comes to the play in that inning. Next inning, first, you know, batter of the game, grounder to short, can't pick it up. Easy textbook error. Innings going on and on and on. And, you know, doubles are being hit into the gap down the line. It's 9-6 now. There are guys on base. This is far from over. We're now bringing in Chad Green to, to base. Nick Barkake is one of the best contact hitters in the game. He gets him swinging. Huge out. Uh, Dansby Swanson's up. Two outs, 9-6. We cannot let another run score. This cannot be a 9-7 or 9-8 game entering the ninth when it was 8-0. Swanson hits one up the middle. Torres is positioned perfectly. It rolls up his wrist again. So he, he doesn't have a handle on the ball. That's to this inning that he just straight up normal ground balls do not go in his glove. Finally gets it in his bare hand, chucks to first to get Swanson, uh, almost throws it away. You know, does not have control of the baseball and doesn't make the safe transfer to first. And Swanson is a step from beating this throw, putting runners on the corners at 9-6 with two outs and Chad Green sort of staring, going, what happened? So as if the game wasn't already destabilized and thrown off its axis enough, you've got Torres turning routine plays at every turn into extra outs for one of the best offenses of the game. And, you know, straight up runs. Runs are being produced as a direct result of Torres' errors. Uh, and it's a miracle none scored in the third. It took some crazy Jordan Montgomery, uh, Houdini worked to get out of that. And he's sort of had a reputation for that so far this year already. He did it in his start against the Red Sox, you know he does buckle down when it matters most, but there are guys on base that shouldn't be there that he's having to deal with. The Yankees are really, really lucky that only six runs scored in that game. And you could trace many of the runs back to Torres's uncertainty. It's short. Yeah, we've seen it. We've seen it this year. He doesn't look comfortable there. And a couple things here before you blow a gasket. Um, (laughs) One, one is, Didi was great in New York, but he did not start off great. And people were very critical about him filling in for Jeter because he, he, his, his debut and his initial audition in pinstripes 
was not fantastic. He, he, he made a couple of errors. Uh, he didn't look as smooth as he, as, as he did as the years progressed. So that was, I think, a little bit of uh, – he needed a grace period as well. And I think Glaber kind of needs that too because the ghost of Derek Jeter is still there. Uh, he is still he's, – he's viewed as the guy who's going to play shortstop for the, ne- for the next decade. Didi was not really viewed as that guy because there was – Torres was always waiting in the wings and his free agency was coming up, so nobody was really sure what was going to happen. But I think that Glaber is also, in a way, fighting a that that whole thing, succeeding Jeter and being the next young face of the franchise at shortstop. Um, and two, I think that he's still only 23 and he hasn't had a full season of shortstop, so it's tough. It's the hardest position to field. We know that he's going from second, which he did. He, he admittedly he did look much better at second over the course of the last couple seasons. And it's, it's not an easy transition, especially this year when the season's delayed as long as it is. It's only 60 games, and he's in the worst-case scenario right now. He doesn't even have his bat to prop up his confidence. He's going out in the field, and he probably feels like he needs to make up for what he's leaving out at the plate because at this point last year, he was producing, he was producing with his eyes closed. Now the rest of the lineup is producing. He is – if it wasn't for Gary Sanchez, I think that he'd be getting a lot more flack at this point because Gary's batting 93 um, and Glaber's batting 151. Uh, so I think it's the double it's the double pressure and the fact that his his bat is not helping out his cause either. It, it could be affecting his confidence. And what do you what I, I don't know what we do here because as as you're saying you know what how are we going to switch this around the easiest thing for the Yankees to do was to just move Glaber to short Gio Rochella gave us a tremendous opportunity to not have to have all these moving parts and figure things out we would love Didi back in the Bronx we wish that was the case and we wish there was a way to fit him in but then you have a whole logjam situation on your hands where what do you do with Lemayhew? Do you have to trade Gio Urshela now? And now if you trade Gio Urshela, then what are we doing with Andujar? Uh, because, you know, I guess in this scenario, you'd move Lemayhew to third, you put Glaber at second and Didi at short, and then you have your infield because you already have Ford and Voigt too. Maybe you look to move one of them. I have no idea, but you see what I'm getting at. There's a huge problem if you don't just let Didi walk. And it saved the Yankees a lot of headaches in terms of moving personnel around and figuring it out. But now they have a headache on their hands because it doesn't seem like Glaber is really digging his heels into the shortstop position. And it's not like we're, we're seeing games in. Uh, he still has plenty of time to figure it out, but this is not 162 game slate. The 16 game sample size here is going to loom a lot bigger uh, at the end of the day. I think there's a lot of things that, he still needs to work on. He needs his bat back, and I think this will all come into form, and he'll be okay. But the fact that his bat is not there and that he's struggling on both ends is is probably taking a toll on him. And you know he's upset. You know you could see that he's upset. So it's going to take a – once he gets hot, I think it'll all change. But, I mean, thankfully I didn't, I didn't see those in the box score, so I feel a lot differently about it. I feel like I'd be a little bit more objective when talking about this. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how I feel. And I think that I, I think it'll eventually turn around, but there's, there's going to be hiccups and growing pains because I think the biggest thing here to consider is that he is the next shortstop for this franchise for the next decade. And the guy who he is taking over for 
it, it kind of is not DD because DD didn't have that lasting legacy. Glaber will have the lasting legacy, hopefully, that Jeter had, and he could be tussling with that in his head. You're right. I mean, it's not like it's it's not like this was just the easy solution. It was the only solution. There was really no way to keep DD and keep all these moving pieces. You you then you start to lose important pieces that are sort of essential, like you said, DJ Lemayhew can't go anywhere Urshela proven he can't go anywhere and Torres is a foundational rock so it's only natural to let him play his you know first position in the minors it makes complete and total sense and I do think that this is I don't think this there's going to be an end for this this isn't an experiment this is the future but yeah last night the, the difference between watching and not watching was that last night really was one of those games if you're a neurotic like me and if you're a fan who hinges on every pitch last night was we've talked about it in the past there was sort of signal games like the Gary Sanchez game in Tampa where he loses the game for the Yankees by not hustling to first base. And it's a flashpoint and it's a focal piece of the game. And it is the conversation immediately afterwards. The Yankees are really lucky they won this game because if not for the victory, then it would have been sort of the Glaber Torres game where you eyeball it and say, he was really bad at short. He contributed nothing at the plate and they blew an eight, nothing lead to the Braves. Now we need to talk about this for a long time um, because he, he sort of, you know, he was able to make up for his defensive struggles in the Washington game that has sort of been his crowning moment so far this year where he, you know, hit a huge home run late in the game and drove in the winning run, but he made a huge error late in that game. He looked really unsure in the field there. He looked really unsure in the field in spring training in March prior to the break. So we, we've got a lot of data so far that shows that, he is not ready yet to take control of the shortstop position. He's clearly grappling with a lot. Like you said, I do not blame him. And this is, this is his, right? He's, he's going to be allowed to grow into this. But that being said, it's the difference between watching and not watching. You were sort of lucky enough to, to rest. You know, that wasn't the narrative that you left the game with. Obviously, you were paying close attention. You were glad they got it done. And I will say my attitude, you know, you think I'm blowing a gasket now. My attitude if Britain loads the bases or if they go to Avalon in the ninth or something and he puts two guys on base for Britain to come in and throw a, you know, an atom ball at Gary Sanchez's toes that skips away, then my mentality is different. I was losing it in the seventh and eighth. And then you got the ninth and Britain throws a six-pitch inning. And by the way, Ottavino, Green, and Britain all had to be used in this 8 nothing game. They threw 12, 10, and six pitches. They're going to be fine. And there's an off day Thursday. Life's good. Um, but the seventh and eighth inning were as, as bad as it gets in a Yankee win, honestly. The ninth saved it. But it left me, you know, the next day wanting so much more with all these warnings I never thought I would have. Uh, and I think this was a pretty good use of our first ever wasn't watching, uh, inspired by Phil Rizzuto's iconic scoreboard uh, scorecard note for when he missed a play. He used to write WW. Uh, so in the honor of Phil Rizzuto, we will definitely do more of these wasn't watchings because I guarantee you there are going to be some of these games that I cannot handle as the Penare heats up and we'll twist it in the opposite direction. And I'll give you my impressions from, you know, sweating under the table at some family dinner. Yeah, definitely. Um, and one thing I wanted to add just, and I think we could talk about it next episode. Is this the reason we still have not extended DJ LeMayhew? Are they waiting to see if Claver Torres can handle shortstop? I hate this. Maybe. I hate this. <laughs> Are they doing that? I don't know. It just came into my brain. I figured I'd, I'd, I'd let it out there for the world to hear because by, why isn't he extended? Why, 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 what are we waiting for? He's, he's, 
he's the most consistent hitter on the team. He's the engine that almost makes the Yankees go. Is at least he's he gets the offense started in in, in most instances. So I, I don't know. I think that's I think that's something to consider, and, and we'll talk about that down the road. But um, I was I think thinking I, about that today. I the only reason I can come up with is that he boosted his value to the to the peak point last year. There was nothing that was going to happen this spring to change DJ LeMahieu's value. Even if he hit 400 in this shortened season, I don't think that would change his reputation because we already saw it last year. So it kind of does feel like the Yankees are going, all right, he's earned the largest amount of money he's going to earn. We know we have to pay him. What's the benefit in doing it now before we see what we have to pay Tanaka and Paxton and the free agent pitchers? So my only thought is kind of they know LeMahieu's number is going to be large. And nothing he did this like he wasn't going to tank his number this year, and he wasn't going to raise it. So I guess we just have to wait till the end of the year and see. Um, that's really all I got on that. Yeah, makes sense. Better, yeah. better than better than my thought process for sure. No, I mean it's, it's highly possible. That's all I've got because there's literally no excuse for him to not be on the team long term four or five more years. Uh, and so that's how I sleep. But that's that that thought is the blanket I use to sleep at night because otherwise I would not be able to. Uh, that is it for this episode. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know. A driveway basketball hoop, including the base, weighs around 400 pounds. Something you probably do know. There's a windstorm coming. Something you probably don't know. A basketball hoop tipping over can poke a hole in a car roof like a can opener. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. We will be back later this week. Uh, make sure to visit us on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe. Please keep leaving those five-star reviews. Drop us segment ideas, uh, mailbag questions, anything you want. Uh, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. Please reach out to us. Start some debates, arguments, whatever you want. We're ready for it. Yeah, I'm insufferable on Twitter. That's where you're going to want to talk to me. Until next time, we will see you. See you guys. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average garage door is made up of 1.3-millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know, your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know, a runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers, and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T dot com. Coriant. 
com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.